0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. I want you to think about other people that are in need. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody you came across yesterday, or you just heard Ken's prayer for the, for the needs of our, of our country or these elections that are coming up, and and what people are beginning to feel and think about that. Think about those people that are in need. Maybe it was somebody you encountered this past week on a street corner, in the grocery store, in the parking lot. Maybe yesterday as you were delivering lunches, you encountered someone. Those people that you're encountering are Christ. No matter who they are, no matter what party they're affiliated with, no matter what they look like or they dress like or what color the skin they have, they're children of God. Each one of us are in need. We're in need of more of God and less of this world. And so let's take a moment to think of those people, and then there'll be a response for you. For all these persons and all who are in need... Let us take a moment to center our hearts on God. I invite you to take a deep breath. So take one with me. Breathe in the grace of God and breathe out His grace. I invite you to stand and face the light of Christ as SJ comes and lights this center candle. I invite you to stand and I invite you to look at this candle, and just a few moments ago, I don't know if you noticed the bright light that came through this window. I don't believe that was coincidence, and that reminds us that the Holy Spirit is here in our midst. And this is your first time with us, and maybe you're apprehensive about coming to Mystic Creek, maybe you've heard about Mystic Creek. We're not mystic. <laughs> We're not Gnostics. We are believers in Jesus Christ. And we rely on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is in this place and is with us. And so as we stand, I want us to respond together to these words. In the Lord, I'll be ever thankful. In the Lord, I will rejoice. Look to God. Do not be afraid. Lift up your voices. The Lord is near. Lift up your voices. The Lord is near. You may be seated. I'm going to go straight to the next reading, Maestro, so you'll skip slide 10 there. This is from Hebrews 12:1, and it's one that you've heard before. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So I want you to hold on to that passage. We're going to go back there in just a minute. Now I'm going to go to Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. Listen closely. We just heard that beautiful song, Remembering. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. He said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat of it until it's fulfilled. Ah, there we go. I can see. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave thanks to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after the meal and said, This cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, I know you've heard of the kingdom of God. You know what that means to some extent, the kingdom of God. We think of the kingdom of God as the future reign of God. You know, eschatology or eschatological things. The end times and the reign of Christ and the kingdom of God being present. There's a lot of books to write about that, and you can watch John Hagee and learn all about the end time to see all the maps and and all the charts and and all the graphs, and all that's good. And people have been predicting for centuries the kingdom coming and Christ coming. It's going to be this date, this year, this time. There's one right now going on. It's 2026. I don't know what's significant about 2026. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere, but somebody has predicted that. That's prophecy. And we read a lot about that. And I'm not knocking prophecy and all that sort of thing. But what is the kingdom of God? What is it to you? As soon as you receive Christ as your Savior, the kingdom of God is present with you. As soon as you are set free from sin and death and disease and competition and, and evil and frustration and depression and suicidal thoughts, the kingdom of God is present, is with you. The kingdom of God is here only by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Spirit. The Spirit came, descended upon the disciples. It showed up as a flame in many tongues. And the world has never been the same since that Spirit. It attacked us in a good way and filled us. And yet humanity has tried to suppress the Spirit and push the Spirit away and say, well, there's a time for that, and we're waiting for that. There'll be another time for when the Spirit comes. The Spirit has already come. Christ has already come. He is here. He is present. We don't have to wait. I'll I'll, I'll begin to live like a good person when Christ comes. I'll begin to do what he wants me to do when he comes and he gives me instructions. He's already given you instructions. He's already come. He's here. He will return. And what that looks like, I have no idea. When it will happen, I have no idea. You don't either. And neither does anyone else. But God knows. And only God knows. So I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God. There's a little difference. K I N D O M. M-A-U-S-E, I'm not going to know it. (laughs) No, it doesn't have anything to do with that, okay? Welcome home. Time to do the next news. Okay, let's get that out of here. The kingdom of God. Kingdom of God happens every time we gather together at the table of Christ and join our voices with all the saints proclaiming that life is stronger than death. The great cloud of witnesses, those are the believers, the followers of Christ that have gone on to be with him in eternity. They are the witnesses. That person that you lost, that's dear to you, a person, a group of people that had Christ in their hearts, knew Christ and lived for him, they are the witnesses that join witnesses from centuries ago. Give that some thought. I want to invite you to think about those who've gone on before you. We're guests at the table of Christ today. And each time we gather around this table we remember Christ and those who have gone on before us. I want you to think about those who've gone on before you. I want to invite you, this is a little different than probably what you're used to, I want to invite you to come to this table Um, There's a table outside as well for those worshiping outside. Folks that are with us online, you can do this at home. Whether you have a bell or not, you can use an app on your phone that has a bell. I have one myself. And I want to invite you, as you feel led, this is not a prerequisite, you don't have to do this, but I want you to come up and I want you to say the name of your loved one or friend. If there's a couple of them you want to say when you come up, you can do that. And each time you say that name, I want you to ring this bell. You see, we honor their memory today. And part of honoring their memory and their legacy is that you continue to live. Because they're part of the great cloud of witnesses. So they want to know that you are living, that you are honoring them by living and moving forward, not moving on. There's a difference you know, when you're in the receiving line or whatever or down the road, people tell you, oh, don't you think it's time for you to move on? I mean, it's been a year. Don't you want to just slap them? Move forward. There's the difference. We move forward and we, we plug back into life again. We start living again. That honors the great cloud of witnesses that watch us and see our lives. That brings in great joy. That brings our Savior great joy. So when you come, I want you to ring the bell. And I want you to say that name. This feels a lot easier than the one last year, by the way. That took like a three-hour class to learn how to ring that thing. There's healing in speaking their names. You probably won't get what you're going to get many places in the next few moments, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you some grief care one-on-one. Some of you in here maybe haven't experienced grief directly yet. You will. And to be able to be an empathetic listener for someone is huge. So I want you to hold on just for a few moments, okay? Our goal is to be an active, empathetic listener with a non-judgmental presence. What does that mean, Stephen? You just listen. You hear their pain, their sadness, and you listen. You don't jump in. You don't interrupt, you don't criticize, you don't judge them for feeling that way, you don't throw your feelings off on them, well, you should do this, you could have done this, you ought to do this, you listen, and you hear what they're saying. It's an honor if someone chooses you to discuss their feelings of grief with. So consider that an opportunity to represent Christ to that person. Know your role and know your goal. That's exactly what I do as a clinical chaplain. Before I go into a room, I know my goal and my role. My goal is to be an empathetic listener with a non-anxious presence. If I go in to the ER and there's a code blue and there's a woman, she's dying. And her family's there and they're freaking out. And the nurses and the doctors, they're stressed and they're going back and forth. I go in there with a non-anxious, calm presence just to be present with them. And if the opportunity arises for me to pray for them, for me to support them in any way, to offer emotional support, that's what I do. I don't have to have training to do all that. It does come with experience to have someone that can be sturdy and solid for you is important. It's crucial to have someone in your life like that. Emotional support, we need it, especially in times we're facing currently. I want to say something to you that may not make sense to you, but it will sink in probably about 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock this afternoon when you really think about it. Sometimes the only cure to suffering is to lean in to its pain. What I mean by that is don't deny it. Don't repress it. Don't run from it. Lean into it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's natural. It's a normal thing. That's exactly what Jesus did. He leaned in to the pain. He took on the weight of the world's sin, and he took on all that they could dish at him, his his enemies, the people who put him on that cross, and he leaned into it because he could handle it. And he knew that there was victory in the end, as you will too, as he gives you the assurance and the comfort that you so need right now. And the reason we lean into it, the reason we speak it, the reason we talk about it, is that's what Jesus taught us to do. When grief or weakness is shared, it loses its strength. When you share how you're feeling, what you're experiencing, when you share it, when you speak it, even if somebody's just sitting there like a bump on a log just looking at you, but you're able to speak it and get it out of your system and out of your heart, it no longer has its hold on you and it loses strength. It's the same thing with forgiveness. When you forgive someone, that's not saying, well, if I forgive them, that means what they did was right. That means it was okay and it's all right. It doesn't mean that. It means you're not allowing them to live rent-free in your heart and mind anymore. You've forgiven them. You say, well, how did I do that, Stephen? You do it because Christ forgave you, and he forgave all of humanity for all time. And so it is when we speak those things that hurt us, that harm us, that are causing us to shrivel underneath the mystery of death. We speak it. We talk about it. We seek counsel. We seek support. We're made strong in our grief and our weakness to be a source of healing for others. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone in to visit people in hospice care and I've been with their families and I go in to minister to them and their testimony and their witness of what they've been through had a lady that was dying of cancer and she sang a song to me. I played this in house church several, not several years ago, a year ago or so. She sang a song to me as she's dying. She died the next day, by the way. She sang a song that she wrote working in the carpet mills in Dalton, Georgia because she had already seen the victory in Jesus. She already knew that eternity was waiting on her. She was a source of healing to me. You can be a source of healing to others through what you've gone through. Do you want to experience peace right now? Do you want to be able to leave today and feel assurance To know, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to live again. I'm going to be able to say their name again. I'm going to be able to plug back into society again and grow. It starts with owning your pain and your woundedness. Boy, have I had to do it. And when you own it, you claim it, and you name it, God can do amazing things with it. To be conscious of your pain is to name your pain. I like to call this in the, in the psychotherapy world, they call it recovery of soul. What does that mean, Stephen? Recovery of soul. It's striving toward healing and wholeness and restoration. And for those of you who know what it feels like to be healed, to be whole, to be restored. You can't hardly hold back, can you? It's like, yes, I've been restored. I've been renewed. I'm rejuvenated. I have new life. Yeah, I might have a bad back. My leg may hurt. I may have headaches every now and then, but that pales into comparison to the joy that the Lord has given me because I've been set free from anything that would keep me from being who he created me to be. And no death, no kind of death, nothing's going to separate me from Jesus Christ. And his love, I'm not making that up. That's scriptural, ladies and gentlemen. Just go and read Romans, okay? Read all of it. Don't just read a chapter or two like we tend to do occasionally. Read it all, because it's all good. It's all good stuff. Not just moving on, but moving forward. Living again so that cloud of witnesses... Your child, your parent, your spouse, your sibling. They see, your friend, they see and know that you're living again and that you're honoring their life and their legacy and their memory because you're living. Don't feel guilty to live again. You were meant to live. Life is a gift. If I stop living, if I withdraw if I don't seek anybody out to help me, if I don't get plugged into a, a grief care a grief support group, if I don't seek my friends and the ladies in my Bible, story, the Bible study or the men in my Bible study, if I just stop living, then my family is going to have to process another death. It happens, doesn't it? We are made alive in Christ. He is in the business of resurrecting lives. Trust Him. That's the key word. In the world today, we need to trust Jesus. Life is a gift. This pain, this isolation, this confusion, this frustration, this sadness is not forever. The only thing that's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that's forever, is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only way. He is the cure. He is the antidote. He is the panacea to any virus, to any sadness, to any separation. Only Jesus Christ. When we gather at the table, the table is kind of on the stage today, we enter the realm of God's time. We enter the realm of God's time in our remembering where the past, the present, and the future are together. We remember the presence through Christ's call to spread the banquet of love to all of us. We remember the future in the promise of Jesus to be with us always. And so it is that this morning we remember with love those who set a banquet of love for us. We give thanks for their hospitality. The tables they set for us And the gifts they gave to us, and we set this heavenly banquet at which we give glory to God with them today. It is through their witness that we have tasted and we've seen the goodness of God. We confess at times that we forget that we too will be the ancestors of those to come. We sometimes think only of ourselves whether our own plates will be full, whether our own needs are met. In this silence, Let us lift up to God the regrets of our hearts, opening ourselves to the grace of God that calls us to love our neighbors. When you wake up the morning after the election, you won't wake up because you'll be up all night. You know you will. And you know this thing's not going to be decided in one day or two days or three days or five days, maybe even a month. But when you wake up, guess whose love is still the same? Guess who's still in charge and in control? Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that. Let's put our trust and our hope in the one who sets us free from all disease, all sadness, and all grief. Today, we need to open up our hearts. And we need to ask the Lord to forgive us for taking our eyes off of Him for not being who He created us to be we need to ask Him to enter in to us once more fall afresh upon us Holy Spirit bring us healing and sanity I invite you to just silently silently with you and the Lord anything that's keeping you from reaching your potential anything that's separating you from your relationship with the king of kings the lord of lords the great i am yeshua jesus and surrender that to him by surrendering your grief you're not giving up on that person you've lost it's the opposite of that you're trusting that god will take care of that person and will take care of you and that that great cloud of witnesses will have great joy because they see you smiling again they see you living again life is a gift hear the good news Christ died for us while we were yet sinners That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Will you respond? In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Do you know it? Do you feel it? Do you sense it? You have been forgiven and set free by the grace of God. Don't live defeated anymore. Don't walk around, oh, it's miserable this life. To be honest with you, nobody wants to be around you if you're that way. Be a light, speak life, be a person that helps others move forward in this life. As forgiven and freed people, let us offer one another signs of reconciliation and love. Now, with social distancing, okay, it's really hard to do that. So, what I want you to do silently, there's no talking at this. This is a very, very sacred service, so no talking. I just want you through a gaze, through an elbow bump, a fist bump, maybe a pat on the back, not real close in the face, just to share your love and appreciation for those that are around you. Would you do that? Outside, at home, do this, please. The Lord be with you in your joy and your sorrow. Though sometimes they be heavy, lift up your hearts to God. Let us give thanks to God, for God is always present. It is, right to give our thanks and praise. it is right and a good and a joyful thing everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Mary and Joseph. And now I invite you to fill in the blank with the name or names of folks you've lost. You're going to lift those names again. All over the room like rain falling on the roof of this place. So I'm gonna say it God of Herman, God keep do it with me, whoever it is, God of David, God of Dorothy, God of Wiley, God of David. And so, with your people on earth, in all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night in which he was to be betrayed, Jesus had a meal with his disciples. And he told them that he was going to be betrayed by one of them. That he was going to be betrayed, arrested, undergo an unjustly trial, and that he would be crucified. That very night, he would be handed over to his enemies. He would face the mockery of a trial. He would walk with a cross strapped to his back down the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering to the hill of Golgotha the place of the skull. He would endure the most horrific pain, mockery, and abuse that any human being has ever faced. And yet that Savior, that Messiah, is the blueprint of every single person that's in this room right now. 206 bones covered by more than 18 square feet of skin, held in place by muscles too numerous to count, and a heart that would beat 176,000 times a day until it stopped beating, yet never loving, on that cross. So his body was broken and his blood was shed. This is a mystery to many people, but it's not really a mystery. Today you're invited to come to the table to know that Jesus, too, breathed his last. That God went through the greatest grief imaginable. Watching his son suffer as he did. So is there anyone else who knows your pain more than God? No. He knows it and he feels it. He wants you to know that he's here. And he's with you. You're invited to come to the table. A little differently than normal. The ushers are going to come around and they're going to give you a little portable holy communion. A little cup like this. It's a two-ply piece of plastic there. You peel off the first one, and there's a wafer. You eat the wafer, you pull off the second one, and there's juice there. And you just drink that. And then we'll have an usher come around with a trash bag to take your trash. When you've received Holy Communion, you're going to be invited to come and light a candle here. One of these candles. One candle, please, per person, that represents how many people you've lost. Again, you can light and name them silently, or you can just come light the candle and return to your seat. At the conclusion of the service, you're invited to take these home as a remembrance of today's service. Place it on your mantle. I know Doug has this placed at his home. I see it every time I go there. We've got ours on our mantle. And so on the night in which he was to be betrayed, Jesus took the cup, he took the bread, and he lifted them. He said, This is my body which is broken for you. Take as often as you can in remembrance of me. And likewise... He took the cup and he lifted it and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. Poured out for all of the sins of the world. Take and drink as often as you can in remembrance of me. I'm going to invite our ushers to come now. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ broken and shed for you. Holy Spirit, We ask that your presence come upon this bread and upon this juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we would be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, sent forth into the world to serve and to bring that life that only Jesus Christ can give. In Jesus' name, amen. Send forth your presence and your power upon this bread and upon this juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we would be the body of Christ, renewed and redeemed by His blood. Amen. I want you to be seated and just hold on for for one moment. We're winding down here, but our service never ends at Misty Creek. It's just beginning. As a final thought, I want you to know that our need for God can be compared to our need for air. We must breathe air in order to live. We must breathe in God in order to live spiritually. God desires to have a constant and intimate connection with us. I want us to confirm our constant need for God this morning. Almost afternoon, but we're not quite there yet. I want you to hear these words as paraphrased from Psalm 139. I don't want these words to sink into your heart and your mind and your spirit as they encompass all that's transpired here during this All Saints Sunday. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're fully acquainted with all of my thoughts. Before a word is even uttered from my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. You hem me in, behind, and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too great for me to attain, too wonderful to me to comprehend. Where can I go from your spirit Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, there you are also. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle into the farthest depths of the sea, even then you are there, upholding me by your hand, guiding me and directing me. If I were to say, To the light become darkness, and the night surround me, even then, the dark is as light to you, and the night is as bright as the day. For you, there is no such thing as darkness, only light. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You looked at my unformed substance when I was being created in the secret place. In your book is my name before any of my life had existed. How awesome and holy are your deeds. If I were to try to count them, They're more numerous than the sand. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. If there's any wickedness within me, Lord, bring me into the way that leads to everlasting. Search me, O God.